Tonight, we're continuing in our series of lessons on favorite Bible passages. And I cannot remember who gave me this one. I have most of them written down who gave me the passage. And you may tell me after services tonight if this was one of yours. But Psalms 37:25 is a great part of God's Word. And what we're going to do tonight is look at that passage as it appears in its context. You see, some of the favorite passages are the ones which provide hope and assurance. You know, I want to know that it's worth it. I want to know that being a child of God and facing whatever challenges that I might face is really worth my time, worth the investment, and the Bible provides for us that answer. The book of Psalms reflects on a struggle to understand this world and it being full of injustice. I would say every one of us can look and we can see situations where there are good people, fine, good folks who've had difficulties in their life. We can also see people who, to use the phrase, are meaner than a snake and yet they seemingly have just done very well. And it makes us want to ask the question, why do the righteous suffer? And why is it that the wicked seem to do so well many times? Well, I am appreciative that David is able to perceive the glory of God in the face of a sinful world. Now, it wasn't that David just had some greater human insight he was inspired of God. And that spiritual insight was provided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As Peter would write, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God provided for them the wisdom and the guidance. And so tonight what we're going to do is to look at two things. David is going to answer the question, is it worth it? And to do so, he's going to look at two categories. He's going to look, first of all, at the rebellious, and then he's going to look at the righteous. So that's going to be our lesson tonight. Let's look, first of all, at what David says about the rebellious. Now, all of us know that in this world, there's two categories of people. There are the good folks, and there's the bad folks. The good folks do what is right. The bad folks do what is wrong. Sometimes we're a little bit of both. Sometimes we'll do a little bit of good in our lives, and sometimes we'll do a little bit of bad. But when you realize that it comes to the day of judgment, that there will be a separating of the righteous from the wicked, as Jesus pictured in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And either you will be on the right hand or on the left hand. And the Bible gives us a picture of these folks. For instance, if you open your Bible, and I want to encourage you to do that, to Psalms chapter 37, you can just look down through that and 14 times in this one chapter, David will call out the wicked, the wicked, the wicked. He also calls them evildoers. He calls them workers of iniquity. He calls them enemies of the Lord. 
And what David will do as he talks about these rebellious, wicked enemies of the Lord is first of all to talk about what they do. And second of all, he will talk about what they shall receive. You see, Psalm 37, 25 occurs in a context. You've got to appreciate the context to understand why he says what he says. For just a moment, let's look at what the wicked do. Let's look first of all at verse 7. He said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way. Because of the man that brings wicked schemes to pass. I think about a person who schemes. He's all the time going in his mind trying to think, how can I find this person over here and take advantage of him? There are people who are out there tonight who want to steal your identity. They want to be able to clean out your bank account. They want to be able to take what is yours. There are people, if they knew you were at church tonight, would just as soon go to your house and rob you of all your possessions. There are those kind of people. As you drop down further to verse 12, in addition to the schemes, he says in verse 12, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes it to him with his teeth. He is trying to somehow look at the righteous people and say, I don't like them. And I'm going to take what they have. And I'm going to plot for their demise. You go down to verse 14. He says there, The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. The poor, the needy. You know, folks, poor and needy folks have so little, but because they have little, they're often the prey because someone can take advantage of them and who cares about the poor is the way the world thinks. That's among the wicked. In verse 21, he's a pretender. The wicked borrows and does not repay. Well, let, let me borrow this. Let me borrow that. But then he never thinks about it. I owe that back to them. He is only a pretender. Verse 32, he pounces upon the righteous people. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. He's looking for an opportunity just like a wild animal is going to pounce upon his prey. That's exactly the way the wicked think. That's what he does. But then you look at what the wicked will receive. If you look at verse 2, verse 9, verse 28, verse 34, verse 38, here's the main message that comes through. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 9, for evildoers shall be cut off. Verse 28, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. Verse 34, when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. What God is saying is they won't continue. I'm going to stop them. That's important. As you see, God sees the future of those who are wicked. Verse 10, he said, they will be no more. 
For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall come to, or it shall be no more. You look around, where is that wicked man now? God has brought him to an end. He's cut him off. He thought he was so powerful. He thought he was so mighty, but God brought him down. Verse 17. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. See, God's going to deal with their strength. Verse 20. He said, but the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. Perish, vanish away. You know, you think about some of the notorious wicked people of the past. They're not here anymore. Yes, there's some people now who who appear to be so dangerous, but they too shall be gone. God shall deal with them. In fact, look at verse 13. This is the one that I, I find interesting. You see, the wicked in his pride and his arrogance thinks, nobody's going to ever bring me to an end. Nobody's ever going to take over me. He said, the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. I often think about a little child who comes up and says, I'm going to whoop you. And the, the adult puts his hand on the head. And that little child's just swinging them fists just like this. Oh, I, I'm going to whoop you. And you get chuckled, you get tickled because you know that little child can't do anything. The wicked in his pride and his arrogance is saying, look what we're going to do. We're going to take over. And God said, no, you're not. And God laughs at him. Because of what he thinks he is and who he thinks he is. Now, for just a few moments, let's look at the flip side of this. Because Psalms 37 is not all about the rebellious, the wicked, the evildoer, the enemy of the Lord. It's about the good folks. And it's about how the good folks deal with the injustices that are in this life. How do I deal with the fact that I look at this world and I see things that are not right? Do I deal with them? Well, first of all, he's called righteous eight times. That's sort of the balance word for wicked, the opposite of it. In verse 9, he describes them as those who wait on the Lord. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. They are the people who will say, I put my trust in God and I will allow God to bring His will to pass. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to get in ahead of it. I'm going to let God be the one who handles the affairs of this world. They are meek. They delight in peace. Look at verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Meek describes people not who are weak. In fact, the word meek, as it appears in the Bible, means strength under control. It was a word used to describe an animal like a horse that had been broken. He still had all of his strength, but that strength was now controlled. 
Does a Christian have strong character? Well, sure he does, but he doesn't always have to exercise it. He's able to bring himself under control. And he delights in having the abundance of peace. In verse 14, in verse 18, he's called the upright. Verse 14, the latter part of that verse, to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Look at verse 18. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Not the ones who are sly and crawling on their belly like a serpent, but the upright. He's a good man. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. A good man. You know, you talk about certain people, and we're not just talking about men, we're talking about women as well. This morning, Brother Allen mentioned the fact that Sister Lucille Newby had a reputation well beyond the city of McMinnville and well beyond this congregation. The influence she had on the congregation in Gallatin as well as she had upon the congregation here and members of it. And people would say she was a good woman. Her life reflected following the Lord, doing what is right, being upright of heart and character. Some of you are those good men and good women. Verse 28 He says, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. You know, it's sad that some words have been so misused and misunderstood in our world because of the false Catholic doctrine that says a person has to die and they've had to go through all these things and then they get made a saint. We even sometimes use the word, well, I'm no saint. Well, I am. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I'm a super Christian. A saint is a child of God living like God would have him to live. That's what a saint set apart for the Lord's service. But there's two things about the righteous here in Psalm 37. The first one is... Things they ought to do or not do. You see, as I look down through that chapter, I find a lot of things that they're supposed to do or things they're not supposed to do. Number two, the blessings they will enjoy. And verse 25 is just among those blessings. Look as he begins to describe what the righteous should do. They should not fret and they should not be envious of these wicked people. Let's look at a few of these verses here because I think this is perhaps the key thought that is behind this chapter. Verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Verse 7 and 8, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because Of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Fretting is a person who lets the wicked cause him distress. 
who rules in his life. You know, if you hate somebody, that person controls you. If you are envious of a man who has more than you do, he also controls you. And yet, isn't it easy for us to see somebody who has done so well and fret over it or be envious? You know, I can go later in the book of Psalms to chapter 73. Look at verse 3. He said, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I look and see how well they're doing, I think, maybe I ought to give up what I'm doing and be like they are so I can have what they have. Solomon would say in Proverbs 24, 19, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. What he is attempting to do in Psalm 37, Psalm 73, Proverbs 24, is to get our attention to say, Folks, which one's more worth it? Is it more worth it to be wicked and enjoy all this world has to offer? Or is it more important to be righteous? We should trust, delight, and commit. Those, look at those verbs in verses 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will bring it to pass. He's saying don't fear. You have needs. God knows your needs. What do you do? Trust in Him. Delight yourself in Him. Commit your way to Him. God will take care of you. You know, we sing the song, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you. And again, verse 7. Rest, wait patiently. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in the way. He's saying you've got to learn to give God time to bring His will to pass. And I'm going to tell you, for many of us, that's a challenge. Because in our minds, we want God to give us what we want, not just what we need, what we want, and many times we want it now. And what David reminds us is, you need to learn to be patient for God to bring it to pass. The righteous should also show mercy and give. Wow, now that's in contrast to the wicked. The wicked is constantly scheming and plotting how he can take what belongs to the poor man, what belongs to the needy man, and what he can take from you. But you see that righteous man, according to verse 21, the righteous shows mercy and gives. For many of us, we, we find that counterproductive. If I'm wanting more, then why do I need to be showing mercy to somebody else? Why do I need to be giving? But God says, that's the way. That's the way. Depart from evil and do good, verse 27, and dwell forevermore. Some of you might see that on a sign somewhere nearby. I'll just leave that 
as a hint. Speak wisdom, justice, the law of God. Verses 30 and 31 He's trying to explain what the righteous do. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. And his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Now, we're going to take off on that in just a moment. Because you see, as he's talking about who we are and what we're supposed to do, He's going to say there's some blessings that's going to follow from that. And let's look at the context of the verse that is our favorite Bible passage for tonight. You pick up with verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends. And his descendants blessed. Now take verse 31 with that again. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. When you take verse 24 and verse 31 and you put them together, what you find is, is that here's a man doing what God says. Will I stumble? Yes. But will I fall, be utterly cast down, be utterly cut off? No. God won't let me. God will take care of me. Why? Because I'm one of his children. That's the reason why verse 25 is such a precious promise. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Even of the people who have temporarily had to suffer difficulty, it's not for eternity. Job had much. Job lost it all. But if you stop reading about Job 28, or verse chapter 38, I think you'd be very discouraged for the life of Job. But you keep going on, and you're going to find out Job gets back more than he had before. You even look at people like Lazarus who are begging for the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table, who is so poor of health that the dogs lick his sores. But you know what happens in that account? Lazarus opens his eyes in eternity in Abraham's bosom. Being comforted. God didn't forsake him. God knew all along what Lazarus was suffering and what he went through. God's end for the child of his is blessed. And deliverance from trouble. Verses 39 and 40. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. 
Folks, if you really believe and trust in God, He will take care of you. And what a precious promise that is. It's easy to ask the question, is it worth it to serve God and be faithful? I can ask that question to you tonight. Many people can just say that question and it can just flow from the lips. But let me tell you something. It's often painful for us to look at that bigger picture. I thought about taking some time from Psalm 73, but I knew that it would take a long time to cover all this, so I just want to take a few verses out. David says, Behold, these are ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to a generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Verse 17 says, Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. Is it worth to serve God if you just look around you and you say, well, this man, he's a scoundrel, he's a liar, he's a cheat, and he's doing well. Maybe I'm striving to do the wrong thing. Maybe I've been putting my emphasis, I've been trying to be righteous, I've been trying to be honest, I've been trying to serve God. Let me tell you something. You serve God, you will succeed. Not always here. But you will succeed. No one who has chosen to serve God will regret it. No one. But the wicked who have chosen to serve themselves and to serve their wickedness will regret it. What a comforting passage Psalm 37, 25 really is. Tonight, if you have taken inventory of your life and you look and realize maybe from what we studied this morning, maybe from your own personal Bible study, maybe from what someone else has taught you, that you need to become a New Testament Christian, we stand willing and ready and enthusiastic to baptize you into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And if you're one of God's children with sin struggling in your life, know that with God all things are possible. Would you come while together we stand and sing?